Hey guys, Travis Greenlee here with Epic Men Radio, rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. Imagine your dream business where you get to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, while earning a mid-six-figure income and making an enormous difference in your clients' lives. We're going to talk about this and a whole lot more in today's episode of Epic Man Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. You're listening to Epic Men Radio. Hey guys, welcome to Epic Men Radio. Now in today's episode, we're joined by industry-leading business coach and best-selling author, Jim Palmer. Jim is a marketing and business building expert and in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. He's also the host of Dream Business TV, the hit weekly web TV show watched by thousands of entrepreneurs and small business owners, and he's also the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, a weekly podcast based on Jim's unique brand of smart marketing and business building strategies. Jim's best known internationally as the newsletter guru and creator of No Hassle Newsletters, the ultimate done-for-you newsletter marketing program used by hundreds of clients in nine countries. Jim, it is an absolute pleasure and an honor, brother, to have you with us. Oh, it's an honor to be on your show. Epic men. How about that? If you're going to be a man, you might as well be an epic man, right? Exactly, man. If you're going to do it, you might as well play, play full out, right? Play bigger. <laughs> go home. Great, great to see you again, Travis. Right on YouTube, brother. So, hey, let's jump right into it. Now, I know you're doing a lot of stuff. you got so many things going on with what? What do you got? Six books, seven books. How many books you got out there now? Six books. I'm writing my seventh. I just started it. It's not even public yet because I'm still trying to flesh it out. But um, you would actually appreciate this because I know we're both men of faith. But I have been getting nudges for the last six months. Every time I write a book, I mean, you know what it is. It's a big deal. And it feels like i got to take a big I got to stop writing books, right? But I've been getting uh, nudges for six months to address a very specific topic uh, for, for business owners. And so I'm I'm trying to figure what that is, and uh, but anyway, six books right now. But we'll go six, with that. Six books, man, awesome. I mean, that is huge. Like you say, huge commitment. I mean, the time commitment and the energy and the focus, and man, it's just huge. So congratulations on Thank that. You. And then also the dream business. I know you've got the new brand and really moving that out, and you've got your masterminds and all kinds of things happening there. So top of your game, man. You know, you've been at this a long time. You're doing great. Yeah. We started doing the live events three years ago, uh, did two a year, except 2016, I'm doing one a year because you know what it's like to put a live event on. It's a yeah. lot of work. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, I said, what's the purpose of getting to a, your dream business so you can live your dream lifestyle, then you just keep flat out working. So I'm scaling back my, I'm really attempting to scale back my hours a little bit. It's, it's kind of hard. I must admit, I'm a driver, but, but uh, we're only doing one event this year coming up in May, so. That's in May. Got it. So how do you spend your time? I mean, during the day, again, I, you got a lot going on and I know lifestyle is a big importance for you. You know, yes. you got the boat, you got all the kind of cool things that you're doing. So what does a typical day look like for you? You know, when you get up in the morning and you're driving through the day, what's that look like for you? I get up in the morning and my butler lays out my clothes. <laughs> no, you know what it is? This will be very instructive for people who got so much going on because, um, if you're not careful, you are going to just be, you know, nose to the grindstone 24 seven, you know, 365 days a year. And that's, again, that's really not what we're, we're supposed to be living like, I don't believe. So 
what I've done is uh, I've created what I call a bookend schedule, Travis. So Monday and Friday, I have no calls in or out. It's just free days. Now I'm, I'm living in Pennsylvania. So in the wintertime when it's cold and the boats under wraps on, in the parking lot of the marina, uh, I'm working. I'm either writing a book, doing something or, or, or not, whatever I want to do. But Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is when all the calls, they start at eight 30. I usually go till six and it goes either, they're either 20 minute calls, 30 minute calls or 40 minute calls. So that it gets filled up. Right. And it's with, with coaching clients and also doing interviews like this one here. So people book the calendar. I go from one to the other, which, which is kind of funny because um, I'm jumping from one call right into your call. And, you know, with the home office, most of the calls are, are Skype or, and it's audio only. And then I saw we're doing video. This is the benefit of a home office. Shoo, run upstairs, grab a shirt so I don't look like a complete slob. <laughs> but really, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is where it's at. And my wife and I were just talking about she may, um, she's got so much time off at her work. I said, try and get Fridays off. Maybe you could work four 10-hour days because if we have Friday off, we could literally have three-day weekends all summer long on the boat and it would be amazing. Awesome. And you can do that again, because you've yeah, built yeah. the dream business. You're walking your talk and what you're teaching and what you're sharing with your clients. And again, having that lifestyle and being able to work Tuesday through Thursday, not too shabby, man. You, you know, what was, you know, it's interesting. Cause I know your demos like what 50 to 55 people who have been through it successful all, all around there. So yep. uh, I'll share kind of a mindset trap that I had to get some help to get over. So I did scratch what I call my 30 year rich three years ago and bought my boat. Always wanted a boat, but then suddenly we started having kids and they kept coming. And, you know, after my four kids were grown and gone, I finally bought my boat. And, you know, because of my bookend schedule, I would sometimes stay, uh, stay there on Monday. I'd go down on Friday. And what was weird for me, I think it was more Monday than anything because Friday you're kind of kicking into the weekend. Mm -hmm. But if, if I was there on a Monday and everybody else in the marina is gone and they're working and I'm sitting there on my boat having fun, I really started having some head trash. Like, what am I doing? Everybody's at work and I'm just sitting here playing. It right. felt weird, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, a great mutual friend of ours, Melody Benson Strick, is still one of my mindset coaches and uh, she helped me get over that. And I won't we'll go into all that, but you have to be okay. Um, you know, when, once you get to where you've worked for, you've got to be okay being there. And, and accepting the fact that I can run a business three or four days a week or maybe five if I need to. But if I want to be off, I should be off and not feel guilty about it. That was that was the thing that was that hung me up the first summer. Right, man. Well, as we all know, guilt sucks. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> you know, you've worked hard. We worked hard for so many years to be able to enjoy the lifestyle, to be able to have that boat and be able to do those things as you serve your clients. Because again, this day and age with technology, you know, we've got the internet, we've got smartphones, we've got broadband, man, we could build a business from the boats. Don't necessarily even need to be in the office anymore. Do you? You can do business anywhere. And, and that's typically what I would do if I was down there on a Monday. I might shoot one of my, you know, Dream Best TV videos or, you know, I might, uh, if somebody, you know, some of my clients get 911 calls. So if somebody needs to talk to me, my assistant knows, I'll take a call on the boat. That doesn't matter to me. And then I'll go, tick, okay, I feel better. I did a little bit of work anyway. Right on. Exactly, man. Well, so let's back up a little bit. You know, obviously you're doing well right now. You've got the boat, you've got the lifestyle, you've got amazing clients. I mean, you're feeling great about it at the top of your game. Let's look back maybe say 10, 15 years ago oh, as you started to build. 
Yeah. Yes, we do. And, and I know it can be painful, but it's interesting because a lot of guys are going yeah. through this. You know, we've got a lot of guys in the tribe now that are sort of reinventing themselves. You know, they've had careers and they've raised families and they've made money and they've lost money and, you know, they've ridden that roller coaster. So how about you? Tell us a little bit about your roller coaster, getting yeah. where you are today. It was big. I mean, it was a big crash. I've reinvented myself twice that I can think of, at least in a big way. So, you know, I had a dream that um, I was just going to build my career. I wanted to be a VP by 40 for no other reason to say, hey, I'm a VP. You know what I mean? And I became a VP of marketing for this training company. And then on my right after my 41st birthday, it was the summer of 2000, uh, my position was eliminated with the company. Right? <laughs> so Jim is now out of work for the first time since I was 15. And we made a, a lifestyle decision, Travis, that Stephanie would be a stay-at-home mom, raise our kids. So I was the sole income coming into the, to the family. I had a really healthy ego, thought I was all that a bag of chips. And I'm not saying I was an egomaniac, horrible person, but I was doing okay, and I thought it was all me, right? So I really told Steph not to worry about it. I said, I'll be fielding multiple lucrative job offers in you know, maybe a month outside, right? That turned into 15 months of really devastating unemployment. My confidence and, and self-esteem were just shattered. Uh, 12 months into this journey, I'll, I'll kind of give you the real condensed version. 12 months into it, I'm unemployed. We've lost whatever meager savings we had. We're now at least 40,000 in debt between mortgages. I want to keep all our insurances going. Food, you know, with four teenagers, that's no small task. Right. And, um, and then I was diagnosed just like you with cancer. And, um, you know, I had stage two melanoma. Um, so I'm now going through that. And luckily, uh, my wife did go back to work and she got us insurance. So I was able to get off covert care. Now we have insurance through her business, but, or through her company. And, um, I had never even heard the term before. I had no idea what it was. And, uh, did a little quick research, found out who the best surgeon was in the Philadelphia area and went down to see him. And he's telling me about these different stages. Again, all this is completely new to me. Never knew anything about cancer per se, other than it's bad. <laughs> and, um, and I said, so, okay, stage two or three, we didn't know which it was. And I, I go, what's the difference? He goes, well, with stage two, the average life expectancy past five years is 80%. So it's like 80, 20. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, I got to have cancer, not bad odds, right? I said, well, what if it is stage three? He goes, it's 50-50. And he said it almost like I just said it. It's like, you know, I felt like I got hit in the chest with a baseball bat. My girls were third. I have twin girls who are 13 at the time. I had a 15 to 17-year-old son. And I'm starting to think, am I going to see my girls graduate high school? And so I go through that. Um, again, trying to be a, compress the story. I, I was, uh, during that summer, doing a consulting job. Uh, it was a feasibility study to see uh, a chain of music stores if it made sense to franchise them. I had, I had a lot of experience in franchising. And um, turns out it did. And so they started saying, well, I think we want to do this, and we'd like you to come work for us and start the franchise program. So I'm like going to doctors, thinking about my life. Am I going to be here? Oh, yes, I can do this for you. It's like woo, all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, literally, so my, I forget the exact date. My surgery's on a Friday, and this would have meant a move. It was um, – uh, in Maryland. And so the Thursday, the day before my surgery, the CEO calls, we finally come to terms. We kind of virtually shake hands and I hung up the phone. I go, okay, I got one monkey off my back. Now let me get healthy. And the, the franchise opportunity was about 60 days away, which was good for me, even though there was still no money. I thought, God, if I could just turn off, you know, for a month or two, knowing I got a decent job, 
I was going to enjoy that. So um, I remember it was, uh, as soon as I say the date, you'll know where the rest of the story goes. So September 11, 2001, I'm on my couch recovering wow. from my surgery, wow. and I'm watching the planes hit the towers, right? The whole September 11th attack. And about six days after that, and I'm sure everybody listening to this who's our age knows what the feeling of the country was, the mood, and and what's going to happen? Are we going to war? Is there more coming? Who knows, right? And he, so the guy called and said, Jim, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed, but I'm pretty sure you're going to understand this. We've got to put our growth plans on hold. So I'm going to have to rescind the offer, but we'll stay in touch. Oh. Now I'm out of work again. You know? Wow, scary place to be. Oh, my God. Yes. Sick with cancer. You've got four kids to support. You're the main breadwinner, really, up to that yeah. So you know, being the the breadwinner and being responsible and and the provider for your family, the yes. kids on top of that, and then nine eleven on top of that. Yeah. Oh man. So that that was really the lowest point actually in my life, and uh, it was so bad. But you know, I, I look back on this with hindsight and full clarity that this was all a plan. God put this whole plan into place, and you know. I call this a season of crises. I actually didn't sound my terminology. I got this out of a book by Patrick Morley. And, and season three is God loves you so much. He will bless you with a season of crises. He will bring you to your knees so you can get into a right relationship and he can rebuild you. So um, I got on my knees and instead of praying half-heartedly like I'd been doing for, I need a job. Can you help me find a job? I said, I, I, I give up. I surrender. I have no idea what to do. I just need you to tell me what to do. I will do it. And he told me to become an entrepreneur. And so I opened my first business in October 2001. Wow, what a story. And a very similar story to mine as well with this whole cancer thing. I think when, yeah. you, when you've been beaten to your knees like that, I mean, not only financially, you know, financially clearly is, is a scary place to be, especially when you're a provider and you've got a family to provide for. But the health perspective, you know, yeah. not knowing if you're going to live or not, getting that 50% chance of living is like, whoa, it, it rocks your world to the point of, you know, discovery, right? It, I, I say it's clarity, a moment of clarity. You get real, real fast with what's important. You know, so all those years, it actually became a joke. When Stephanie and I got married, I said, I want to buy a boat, you know, and she goes, well, I'd like to have kids. Okay, she won, you know, but it's been this whole thing. And I say that because all of a sudden I didn't give a crap about a boat, right? And, you know, here's another thing about clarity. And I have a friend of mine who occasionally, not occasionally, pretty much every time I see him, he's like a, just a, a glass half empty type of guy. Mm. Why this? Why that? And he lives a great lifestyle. I mean, his wife both make good money and it's, but I said, you know, one time I popped off on him. I usually just listen and let it go. But I said, you know. Uh, it, I'll say Tom, but his name's not Tom, just in case he ever watches. <laughs> said, you know, Tom, I wish you could have the clarity and appreciation for what you have, like I do, without having to go through what I went through. You know, you'd be singing a different song every day. I mean, literally, literally, even as a 50-something-year-old man, and sometimes I wake up, I got to get out of the bathroom. I do not get out of bed unless I thank God for the blessing and gift that this new day is. Because every day you wake up is a gift. I mean, you right. know that. I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah. Um, so that that was it. That was uh, I was driving home um, from the hospital, and uh, we live in uh, the southeastern part of the state, Philadelphia area. I don't know if you Valley Forge Park, some kind of big event up there with George Washington. You know, yeah. very historical park. It's a really beautiful place. Of course, Steph's driving because so I got this humongous bandage on my back. I'm like leaning off my seat and. But I'm looking out the window, and, and um, 
She goes, what are you looking at? I says, my God, look at those trees. They're so amazing. Now, at 41 years old, Jim Palmer has never said, look at those beautiful trees. That's not who I was, right? Right. Now I'm seeing all this stuff. And, and anyway, so you opened a whole can of worms there, my friend. But I totally, thing. I so get it. Again, being there and experiencing that. And, and again, this is something, a nugget that we can pass on to all of our listeners and all of our viewers right now is it's that attitude of gratitude. You know, yeah. whatever it takes to to get you to that place of truly being grateful and focusing on that, you know, spending time and whether it's having a mantra in the morning or a morning prayer. Again, mm -hmm. I know that you're really spiritual and really connected from that source, but having a system and having rituals, if you will, to be able to connect with the gratitude and connect with that source. So what do you do? You know, how do you connect and how do you keep yourself in that place and keep yourself positive and keep your energy high? Because again, that's what it takes to be able to serve and to be able to lead at the level that you do yeah it, it really is all about service so again I learned that pretty late in life you know my wife and I give uh, very generously uh, financially and also of our time and um, you know that has rewarded me I believe um, immensely because God expects you to well if, depending on your belief or faith or what you read he expects you to tithe 10% which to me, and you know, years ago, I thought putting 20 bucks in the plate was a big deal. Well, you know, it's not what you're supposed to do. But the other thing is, is the time that you're supposed to do. And you know, I know you know I'm involved in uh, Good Works, and actually tomorrow's Good Works Saturday. And um, so I'll go work the entire day in uh, a low-income neighborhood repairing homes with a group of guys from my church. And um, it's what we do. And part of the reason, I think, and I'll actually most of the reason, I think I've been so blessed these last five, six, seven years in what anybody could fairly say is a pretty crappy economy for being a small business owner is because I learned how to be a giver and how to serve others. And there, there's an expression, um, you know, you can't outgive God. So it's like the more I was doing it, the more my business grew, the more I was being blessed at home, like two grandchildren, all, all these great things. And so there's a real connection there. Right. I love it. Service, servant-based leadership and focusing on that and that gratitude piece, right? Yeah. And, and by the way, servant, I mean, that, that totally translates into your business. Mm -hmm. Serve first, be a giver. I mean, it kind of goes with all, even the whole internet marketing thing that we do is we give so much content, so much information. I've been doing videos every week for six years, every week, podcasting, books, articles, tons of information, giving, giving, giving. Well, that's the way you get you get by giving. So a lot of people don't, don't necessarily make that connection. And, and I love that. I, I love that. It makes such a great point because there are a lot of guys now are saying, oh, content, you know, from we, as we're talking about internet marketing and giving and putting your content out there and you're sharing your message. And again, you're such a great, you know, you do such a great job with that. A lot of times I get, oh, is it even worth it? You know, there's, there's so much noise out there and there's so much content. And there's so many people doing what we do. Is it even worth it to go and to take the time and to make that investment to, to continue to create that content as opposed to more sales, you know, going more direct or connecting more directly with people? So what's your thoughts on that in terms of attracting your ideal client and being able to serve your ideal client? Someone... Um I heard somewhere where if you don't love what you do so much so that it's, it actually feels like a, uh, you're doing a disservice to people if they don't get what you do and, and how you help them, then you better find something else to do, right? I mean, whether it's newsletters or whatever else I'm doing, I mean, right now what really lights me up is the coaching because I see what an impact that has. But I am, 
I really think that that's the skill and talent that I've been blessed with. Everybody's been blessed with something. I think that's my nugget. I finally figured it out. And so I love it so much. I'm actually able to, I get passionate and enthusiastic when I talk about it. I'm very confident when I talk about it because I know it works. That's what you have to bring to the table all the time. And see, I think when a lot of people are marketing, whether they write a blog post, do a video, do an interview, whatever they're doing, they're thinking about, gee, I hope 100 or 1,000 or 5,000 people get to see this and somebody will then come ask me for my card, for, you know, whatever that means on the internet, or to do business. And the, the other way that I think is more appropriate, and this is what I do anyway, so when I'm doing a video or when I'm even talking to you, and I know you've got a ton of people downloading the Epic Men, I'm talking to you. When I shoot a video and I look in the lens, I'm thinking of one person. On average, I've got about 1,500 people that watch my videos every week, but I'm thinking of one person. I'm talking to one person. I'm sharing information in an enthusiastic way with that one person. I want to make the connection and share some, hey, you should do this. And I'm not thinking about you should do this in terms of 1,500 people. I'm thinking of one person. Mm -hmm. So you need to connect with one person, be there to be of service and share and give. And that's, that's really, I mean, it sounds kind of, I don't know, trade or hokey, but that's really the turning point for a lot of people when they do give without expecting in return because you will ultimately get, but you've got to, it's like putting money in the offering plate. You've got to do it because it's the right thing to do, not because, oh boy, I can't see what God's going to bless me with this week. You know what I mean? Right. It's the same thing when you're, when you're growing a business that way. And um, so anyway, that's the thing. So that, I, I love it. It, it. So it's the trust. It's really been able to surrender and trust the process and know that it's all about serving as long as you, you remain grateful and you continue to serve each and every day. And that's your focus. The, you know, the go-giver, Bob Berg, you know, you yeah, man. give, wow. give, give. And, and of course, you know, you will receive as opposed to where so many people are is that, that whole instant gratification, like, all right, I want to receive first and then I'll give, you know, a little bit later. Doesn't necessarily work that way, does it? No, there's something that's, I'm actually getting a little ahead of myself, but I, I, there's, I created a term, I actually have an artist draw up this thing, it's called a when I, W-H-E-N and I, when I, and a when I is something, so well, I'll start, I'll start tithing when I, I'll start doing this when I, I'll start hiring an assistant when I, I'll start, I'll start sending a print newsletter when I, and, and they always put when I, and that means the goalpost is always out there instead of doing now. You know, when you start a business, you, you risk. Now, you could start a business on very little, so you're risking a little, but the, the, the math that you risk is directly proportional to how much you're going to receive. Nobody, like anybody that wins really big, they've usually bet really big. You know, one of the, one of the people I like to talk about at my event is um, Fred Smith, who founded Federal Express. I mean, in the late 70s, there was the oil embargo, there was double-digit inflation rate, unemployment. I mean, it was bad news, the whole Carter recession going on. Right. Now, with this whole overnight delivery, at the time, just letters, not packages back then, because that was even pre-fax machine. When he had this whole overnight letter thing, he didn't just like buy a couple of used Cessna planes and try it out in Tennessee, Arkansas, and Kentucky. He bought multiple DC-9 jets, pilot, co-pilots, ground crews. Vans. I know he started out with used vans, painted them up probably Earl Shrive somewhere, but you know, he, he invested really, really big. He lost millions and millions and millions of dollars, months and months and months in a row until he caught momentum. Now, he, he's very rich and successful, but he put himself out there 
You know what I mean? So you got to be willing to put yourself out there. Exactly. Double down on yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, from a poker term, it would be able to really risk it and put yourself out there. And, and how do you do that, though, if maybe you don't necessarily have that confidence at that stage to do it? And think about back when, when you lost your confidence, right? When you were sick and you had the family and you're out of work and everything, and you know what kind of mindset that is in that place. And we've all got great intentions and we want to take risks, but what if we're still sort of in that fetal position? You know, what if we've had our asses handed to us on a platter for whatever reason, and we want to take a risk, we want to get out, yet we're still stuck in that place of, oh, I, I, I don't know, what if it doesn't work out? You know, that fear shape. How do you break through that? You have to, you have to first decide, which is my sixth book, you have to decide that you're going to survive, and then you decide that you're going to thrive. And you have to get over the fact that you don't know everything and that your ego is really holding you back. In, in my book, Decide, I call it a 3 a.m. holy crap moment. So, and I've had many, and I'm sure everybody can relate to it, but it's 3 a.m., I'm laying in bed, it's pitch dark, uh, my eyes are open, looking up at the ceiling going, holy crap, I haven't had a new client in three months. Holy crap, I haven't paid myself anything in six months. Holy crap, the rents do. Holy crap, the insurance do. Holy crap, holy crap. Those are holy crap moments. What I figured out from getting help myself, and now I kind of redispense it, is at that moment when you're having a holy crap moment, you've got to get out of bed, go into the bathroom, and look in the mirror and go, you are the one that's holding me back. Mm. And, you know, you, it's not something else. It's not waiting for the next election. It's not waiting for the economy. It's not waiting for gas prices. It's you. I mean, how many people that you and I both know have started amazing businesses in the last, you know, seven years and have done really well? It's all about value, but it is about putting yourself out there. So it is, it is to a large degree, you have to put yourself out there and you have to get over yourself and, and, and you have to do what's necessary to move forward. Now, part of that does mean uh, getting the help you need, whether it's working with a business coach or somebody with your mindset or, or actually doubling down. You know, when I was about, um, after my first year in business, Travis, I was now like 60,000 in debt because I had almost no business my first year, but I kept going. There was a point where I wanted to join my first mastermind group. There was $400 a month. My checkbook brain said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the royal brain said, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Right? Because, because here's the thing. I knew that I was going to be wildly successful, but I didn't know when. And every day and week and month that went by that it wasn't happening. I thought, <clears throat> instead of getting further down, I went the other way. I said, how ridiculous would it be for me to give up now after I've just put 11 months into this? Uh, and it's the whole three feet from gold thing, right? So sure. I'm about to bust into that gold mine. And so that's it. But, you know, <clears throat> you really need to get help. And I'll, I'll, I'll give people, if people are sitting in that moment and they say, I want to do this and I know it's me. I'm going to give you something that I did because I actually share several of the uh, what I call demons that were holding me back in those early years. I was deathly afraid of public speaking. I didn't want to write books because I'm not a very good writer. God forbid someone starts making, oh my God, you can't even spell. You know, all the stuff that goes on in your head. I didn't want to do videos because I'm quite sure my grammar is not good and, you know, whatever. Everybody's got their thing, right? Yep. So here's what, here's what you have to do. You have to personalize the cost of the inactivity. Now, for me, this when that really happened, it was about 2006. So <clears throat> my girls are at the stage where they were now applying and ready to go to college. I knew they both wanted to get married. 
And I've always dreamed, I want to be the dad that could do that for them. And again, we're like massively in debt still at this point. And I said, how dare you? And I really curse myself out, but I won't hear. How dare you be such a wuss to get up in front of people and speak when everybody you know does it? Everybody you know, it's a good way to build your business. And how dare you be afraid that some blah, blah, blah is going to criticize the way you write books, right? Mm -hmm. And da, 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 da. And so my inactivity was now going to cost my daughters part of what I think they're uh, what they should have. Okay. Mm. So I put a person, I really personalized it. And you know, if you're a father, there's nothing you're not going to do for your kids, especially your little girls. Sure. And so I did so many things. I won't go into them now, but I got over my fear of public. So I get on any stage in front of any group of people and really tear it up. But I got over that and I got over videos and I've written six books. So I, you, you got to kick your fears to the curb, but you first have to decide you want to survive, then decide you're going to thrive and then get some help the help you need to get, get, kick those things to the curb and, and get moving in your business. I love it, brother. Wow. Now that is some powerful takeaway right there from somebody who's gone through it, you yeah. know, who has had their asses added to them and was able to work through it in a big way. Again, the books and the public speaking and, and really testing your fears and coming through your fears. And it's so inspiring because it allows other guys to say, well, God, if, if Jim could do it, if Travis can do it, maybe I can do it as well. And and God, yes, you can. You want, you want to hear, you want to, I'm going to share a piece of advice that a coach gave me kind of back in that time period. Now, this is in, uh, I'll say 2009, 2010. So I'm starting my business. I've, I, I have, I've had, had, see, here's my bad grammar. I've either written or wrote, I don't know what it is, but I wrote at least two books now. <laughs> I've got my second internet business going and I'm starting to make traction, but there are things that I'm still not willing to do go out and be a speaker, mm. do my own live events. That was the last real demon that I had to kick to the curb. But anyway, I'm, I'm now in, involved with some really high level people. And I always felt like I'm the low man totem pole, but that's okay. I want to learn and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then one of them, I'm not going to say who it is. Like you, you do know the individual, but uh, he said, you know, Jim, what makes you think that you're entitled to the same level of success and all these people that you emulate and that inspire you and, and you want to be like, and yet you're not willing to do the things that they do and they did to grow their business. And that was like, a, you know, I kind of felt my ears turn red when I get embarrassed, you know? Oh yeah. It was, it was, a, that was a holy crap moment. It wasn't 3am, but that was like, you know, what the hell? A wake-up call, man. I mean, it really, really has. And it's true. It really is. I mean, you break it down to its simplest terms. It's just about doing the work, right? It is. Day in and day out. You know, having a plan, knowing what the plan is and being able to work that plan, but just showing up each and every day and not having this type of attitude that, you know, we're blaming people or the victim or the economy's bad or all these different things. I see so many people getting caught in that trap. But like you said, that advice, standing in front of the mirror, looking at yourself in the mirror saying, it's up to you, man. You know, you want to turn things around. It really is up to you to do it. You know, there's something else. So we'll rewind the clock again. I'll go back to that first year when I started my business, but I was struggled mightily and literally it took me 12 months to get my first client. I, I happen to call that my first year was revenue free. <laughs> so it's like, it took me a full year, right? But, um, at that point, as I already told you, that's I really got into a good relationship with the Lord at that point. So I, I've just been praying ever since. But what I kept hearing, because listen, I'm not sugarcoating it. Every day I, I went and I, you know, I had to keep borrowing more money to keep the family float. 
I've, when is it going to happen? I'm not saying, I was like, oh boy, I can't wait. There's another no, I'm closer to yes. I wasn't like dancing around, I was shredding it. But I kept hearing, what makes you think this is supposed to be easy? And as hard as I worked, I guess I should be working harder. What makes you think this is going to be easy? And I learned something, and I don't recall exactly how it came together, but, you know, in every industry group, heck, let's go with society, because now in a political season, you always hear about the top 1%, right? The top 1% of people are successful. I think most of them. I mean, are there some that kind of get into the lucky sperm club, as you say, or they get a handout? But most people in there, they have worked their butts off, and they've also done things and risked that they've done things that other people are not willing to do so they can live the life other people won't have. And so I kept thinking to myself, and until I got really clear and that coach really slapped me around, I was doing everything I could to grow without having to do some of the stuff I knew would help because I'm going to do it without that, you know, until I had finally got real with myself. But if you're in a really tough spot now, say, what makes you think it's supposed to be easy? Get on, man. Get up. Get on. Exactly. Get out of bed. Put your shoes on. Go to work, man. Whatever it takes. And just start to create momentum, right? I mean, the power of momentum and starting to build that confidence back and start to, to generate and serve so that it's not all about you. You know, focusing yeah. on other people is a big part of it as well. Jim, some fantastic takeaways. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, if our guys want to learn more about you in terms of what you're doing with the Dream Biz and your masterminds and your coaching, I know you've got some great stuff going on. If they want to learn about you and the possibility of working together with you, where should they go? Where should they find more about you? Well, I got a website for everything, but I'll give you one. I'm going to give you two because I want to give you your listeners a gift. So the, my home base is getjimpalmer.com, www.getjimpalmer.com. And from there, you'll find the books, the courses, the live events, everything like that. But, um, you know, I'm doing a promotion right now because I actually just relaunched the book Decide. It's Decide 2.0. I've actually added two more chapters from some of the feedback I was getting, right? Mm. And um, so if anybody wants a free copy, I'm not even talking PDF digital download. I'll mail you a free copy of the book. I'll just ask that you cover the shipping and handling, which is $6.95. I'll mail you a copy of the book at decideforsuccessbook.com. Decide, F-O-R, successbook.com. Just put in six ninety five. And within 24 hours, we will ship you a copy of the book. And I'll tell you this, the five books I've written so far, Travis, as you know, because I think you probably have them all, very strategic, a lot of good strategies, marketing stuff. But people say, well, how do you determine if somebody's going to be successful? I'm sure you've heard this. They go, well, you, you put in a bowl and you put your God-given skill and talent, your work ethic, your drive, your ambition, your moral compass, and your mindset, you stir it all up and we'll see what comes out. Mm. I don't think that's right. Here's what I believe. You take your God-given skill and talent, your moral compass, your ethic, your drive, and all that, and you put that in a bowl. That represents the machine that is your business. The fuel that drives the machine is right here. Mm -hmm. So you can be the best at what you do. You could be the best dentist. You could be the most skilled accountant or, you know, rug maker, whatever it is. You can be the best at whatever you do, but if your mindset is not fully in tune to take you to as high as you can go, you won't get there. So it's not about skill. It's about getting yourself there. So that, that's what this book will do for you. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Again, thank you so much for your time. Great tips, great takeaways. We all really appreciate you. And we look forward to connecting with you soon. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having your show. You're, you're doing a lot of great for a lot of people, Travis. Right on, brother. Thanks for listening to Epic Men Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. 
Be sure to share Epic Men Radio with other men in your tribe so no one will ever miss a single empowering episode. You can find us at epicmen.com. Epicmen.com.